Hi, I'm David Goforth, pastor at Grace Baptist Church. So glad that you're taking the time to listen to this podcast. And I want to let you know we're here to help you. If you have any questions, please visit our website, gbcwc.org. Contact us. We'd love to help. Amen. Take your Bibles, open them to Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3, as we continue our study in the book of Galatians, we are not going to really chew into the depths of Galatians chapter 3. I simply want to bring out one point here this morning, and we may expand on it some more next week. But in Galatians 3, Galatians basically 3, 1 through 5, or or 2 through 5, not 1 through 5. Galatians 3, 1 through 5 is kind of an expanded description of what Paul talks about in Galatians 2, 20 and 21. We're very familiar with Galatians 2.20, crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. Paul is describing this as the reality in Galatians 3, he's describing what it is. Now we have been studying in the book of Galatians, Paul has been defending his ministry. The last defense of Paul's was how he got into the face of Peter and basically argued with Peter about why the supremacy of following the spirit and not going back to the works of the flesh. That is what Paul has done and now Peter is going to turn his or Peter Paul is going to turn his focus from what he told Peter and he's about to get into the face of the church in Galatia now this was not one big gargantuan church this would have been a number of small churches that this letter would have gone to so it wouldn't have been read in front of a large group like this it would have been read in 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 living rooms and different places like that where they sat down and they looked at it and I want to bring one particular thing out here from Galatians chapter 3 because we still have some more exciting things happening this morning in Galatians 2 20 he says I'm crucified with Christ nevertheless I live not I but Christ lives in me And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God and loved me and gave himself for me. I do not frustrate, I do not nullify, I do not cancel the grace of God. For if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. Oh foolish Galatians, who's bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth crucified among you? This only what I learn of you. Tell me this is what he's saying. Received ye the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are are you so foolish? Having begun in the Spirit, are are you now made perfect by the flesh? Have ye suffered so many things in vain, if it be yet in vain? He therefore that ministereth to you the Spirit and worketh miracles among you, doeth he it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Here in chapter 3, verse 1, Paul is about to expand on the ministry of the Holy Spirit in the lives of the believers. And it's going to culminate in chapter 5, verse 5, where Paul says, For we, through the Spirit, wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. Now, the Holy Spirit is something in our circle that we do not spend a lot of time on. There are some denominations who spend almost all of their time focusing on the gifts of the Spirit and what the Spirit does. But in our particular denomination, we don't spend a lot of time. In fact, it was often referred to as the forgotten God. There's actually books with that title, the forgotten God, because people are familiar with God the Father. People know God the Son, Jesus Christ. And when we get to God the Holy Spirit, the third member of the Trinity, sometimes even I think it's because of the way we think the third member, that it's like the last member, but but that's not it. And Paul is saying, listen, you have to be familiar with the wonderful workings of the Holy Spirit. And, and, and we're not going to dig into this, but Paul is basically saying, are, are, you, are, 
Are, are you so foolish? Who's, who has bewitched you? The only time this word is used. Who's tricked you? Why do you think that you're going to do something differently now instead of keeping the same thing going all the way along? We've all heard the phrase, how you get them is how you keep them. Okay, that's the phrase that's often used in counseling when you're talking to people who are married. Listen, you need to continue developing the relationship like you were developing it when you were dating. You don't need to run off into a brand new thing. And Paul is saying, why, why, would, you, why would you think that Jesus Christ came and did everything for you so that you could start doing stuff? And oftentimes in Christianity, we get confused because we can't look at a spirit. You can't see my spirit. You can see my flesh. You can see, to a certain extent, if I believe in hygiene. If you get close to me, you can find out more about that. If you get within five feet and I don't believe in hygiene, you're going to begin to pick up signs that say, okay, there are external works of the flesh that this man needs to work on. Okay? You can look at the outside, but so often we begin to depend on the outside. And this is what Paul is saying. And he's laying out, he's, he's, we're not going to get into it, not going to go detailed into it, but he says, listen, he's saying, you need to understand the relationship of coming to Christ is the same as the relationship of walking in Christ. So I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. The way that you came to salvation is the way that you live your salvation. The way that you understood the gospel and received Christ is the same way that you enjoy the gospel. But it's so easy for us to look at the outside and go, well, now that they're saved, they're going to have to stop doing this. They're going to have to start doing this and start doing that. So what is it? I want to give you one basic principle. I want you to look at this, okay? Look at verse 2. Paul says, this only would I learn of you. Received you the spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of the faith? The hearing of faith. Let's have a word of prayer. We'll pick this apart, give you a, a, a one principle uh, to, to hopefully grow and meditate on and think on and ask the Holy Spirit to drive deep into your heart. And, and I pray that it'll be a blessing to you this morning. Let's pray. Lord, I ask that you would speak truth to us as we take just a short little time to look into this one particular aspect of Galatians 3. Lord, encourage us and challenge us and draw us closer to you. Thank you, Lord. We love you. Thank you for loving us. In Christ's precious name, amen. So what, what's the relationship between becoming a Christian and walking the Christian life? All right, well, think through it. Um, how, how, do you, how do you receive the Spirit? How do we get it? How do we get saved? By, by what? Grace through faith. Let me see if I can explain that for you. That's, that's, sometimes people argue about that. Is it grace or is it faith? Yes, Okay. What is it? We're saved by grace. What does it look like to us? Faith. Because when God sheds his grace on us and helps us to understand that we need Jesus Christ in our life to atone for our sins, we can do no works to attain any type of redemption. We choose to believe that. That's the working of grace. So the grace that saves us, it's all of God. It's God's grace that comes to us. We look at it. We can't necessarily recognize grace, but we can recognize faith. Do you believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for sinners? Do you believe that? How many of you were there? Did anybody see it? No, you didn't. So, but you actually believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross. You really believe that? Do you know why you believe that? It's by grace, and it shows up as faith. Now let me ask you another question. Do you really believe that Jesus 
got up on his own, just walked out of the tomb three days later? Seriously. Really, let's be honest. Human being died, no breath, no brain activity, completely dead. Three days later, gets up, walks out, starts talking to people. You believe that? You know why you believe that? Because in God's grace, he revealed it to you, and we recognize it as faith. Now, we're saved by grace through faith. So, so how do we get the Spirit? We get the Spirit by grace. We recognize it as the faith that we see, okay? So it's not, it's not just a knowledge. It's not just a, it is something that honestly, when we try to be mathematical about it and approach it and say, okay, here's what happens. Well, no, no, we, we become a Christian. Listen, when we by grace, we receive the Spirit. And we're not going to go through and delineate all of this, but the Bible tells us in Romans 8, tells us in Ephesians, that the Holy Spirit seals us, and it's the Holy Spirit that calls to us, and that speaks to our spirit, that manifests the truth of the reality of God. Jesus Christ said in John 16, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, he's going to glorify me, he's going to teach you what I have said, he's going to bring everything out, he's going to instruct you. If you love Jesus Christ, do you understand why you love Jesus Christ? It is because of the Spirit. He is the one that has enabled you to know Christ. He is the one that has enabled you to love Christ. When in Romans 8, we cry, Abba, Father. Why do we cry, Abba, Father? It's because we have the Spirit. The Spirit is who lets us know. So we become Christians when we receive the Spirit. It's not an activity. It's not a prayer. It's not a thing. It is by grace that we recognize through faith. Now, how do we know that we have the Spirit? Now, the Bible tells us how we receive the Spirit. We receive the Spirit simply by grace through faith. But how do you know if you have the Spirit? We live in the South, y'all. Everybody here is saved. 90% of them are Baptists. All of them have a relative who preaches. Right? Listen, you go to other parts of the country and you say, if you've been born again, they're going to call the authorities and say, I think we've got a crazy. Around here, people don't born again means. They know all the lingo. Is everybody in the South saved? That's a pretty quick answer. No. So it's not just knowing. What are the evidences? Well, the evidences, they're they're there in Galatians chapter 3. Listen, uh, look down. Um, He that ministereth to you the Spirit, he worketh miracles among you. So we have the manifestation that we're talking about, the miracles. Okay, But not just the miracles. There are other things that the Holy Spirit does that he produces in you that are only able to be produced by the Holy Spirit. Meaning, you can come up with a false for a while, but it's never going to last. What are some of the things that he's going to do? Well, I already mentioned some of them. He's going to bring up family longings. Galatians 4 says, Because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Do not think that it was your good theology that brought you to the point where you said, Lord, I need you. It was the Holy Spirit that by grace through faith taught you that you have a father that has adopted you into the beloved. So that longing to be with God, that longing to speak to God, that longing to come to him, that's one of them. Another one, not a numerous one, we we usually call it in the plural, but it's actually singular. It is the fruit of the spirit. That's another thing that is given, okay? Okay. This spirit has given us obvious things that we can see, right? Now, 
How do you receive the Spirit when you got saved? Here's the question. If you began in the Spirit, how are you going to perfect it in the flesh? How did you receive the Spirit for salvation? What did you do? Did you help it? Did you help the Spirit save you? Did you force the Spirit to save you? Did you have to say the right things for the Spirit to save you? No. These are quasi-rhetorical questions, but I want to make sure you're with me. We did what? Grace came to us and revealed to us that we were sinners and that there was one way to escape. And we respond to that grace and something to us that looks like faith. And what Paul is saying, he's saying, if the Spirit saved you, how is the Spirit going to work in you? Well, listen. Listen to Galatians 5, 4. Christ has become of no effect unto you. Whosoever of you are justified by the law, you are fallen from grace. For we, through the Spirit, wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. Did you catch that? We, through the Spirit, wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. Here it is. Here's the whole point of the sermonette. If you are visiting today, I usually don't preach this short. So don't be alarmed. Okay? Most of my life, I thought the evidence of sanctification was an outward thing that I could detect. I can look at you and I can see the way that you act, dress, react, vote, don't vote, spend your money, don't spend your money. What, I can look at the externals of you and then I can somehow determine where you are on sanctification. Not only can I do it for you, but I also did it for myself. How much, how much am I in this mode of Christianity? How much do I love the other brothers, sisters in Christ? How much do I love God's word? How much do I get involved? I would look at these external elements of sanctification. But Paul gets back and he says, listen, how did you begin? And we began by the spirit. So how are we to continue? By the spirit. Here's this, if you want to write something down, okay? The fundamental evidence the fundamental, we like that word, the primary, okay? The fundamental evidence of our progression in our sanctification is not outward conformity. It is inner dependence on the Spirit. I didn't expect a lot of amens there because that's very different thinking. Will there be a difference in the outward appearance if there's an inward change? Yes. What will it look like? We have no clue because God made all of us very unique. And let's be honest, some of us are just weird. So we're going to think something completely different than somebody else. One person's going to say, well, now that I'm serving the Lord, I've been serving the Lord for so long, now I just believe I'm just going to eat whatever food was, you know, was in the New Testament. <laughs> okay. I'm still going to the Chinese buffet, though. In grace. Amen. But somebody may, that may actually, they may actually do that. But listen, if they're depending on the Holy Spirit, it may confuse me because I can't see it. And I want to measure it. I want to look at it. I want to delineate it. I want to lay it out so I can say, you're in grade one. You're in grade four. You're in grade 12. You're doing really good. But I have to look on the outside. Only you know, and only God knows how much of your daily walk is dependent by grace through faith. 
where you read God's word and by grace through faith, you accept the truths of God's word and you begin to live on those truths, not trying to outwardly conform to some type of thing that somebody is trying to press upon you. The absolute fundamental evidence of progression in our sanctification is not outward conformity, it is interdependence. And we have to give grace to folks for their outward conformity to be different from ours, but their interdependence to be superior than ours. It's where it gets difficult. Because if somebody doesn't look outwardly the same way I do, we think, oh, they haven't attained to what I have attained. But that right away indicates we haven't attained very much because we're looking where? On the outside. Now, some might be saying, well, Pastor, go over there. You're telling us that we just can't look at anything? No. You can judge biblical judgment. If somebody is lying, if somebody is, is, is beating their wife, you can look at the Bible, look at them and say that is wrong. It's not like we're supposed to be going around saying, hey, you do you, I'll do me. We'll just make up our own truth. No, we don't make up our own truth. Our truth has been hand-delivered to us by God himself. We have truth to lock into, but it's the outward conformity that Paul says, don't, don't, don't make the mistake. Because when we make the mistake, go back to, to Galatians chapter 2. Look at that where Paul says, I will not, I will not frustrate the grace of God. I think all of us would stand up here today and say grace is a wonderful thing, amen? God's grace saved us from our sins. If you're here this morning don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, understand you can come to him in faith and he will save you. Say, well, well Pastor Gover, you don't understand how bad a person I am. You're right, I don't. But he does and he died for you. He knew how bad you were and he said, yeah, I'll still die for him. Isn't that amazing? And you don't have to tell everybody how terrible you are. You don't have to come up and confess. Nope, because he knows. And he said, I will pay for your sins. And if you by grace say, okay, you will not get a ticket to heaven mailed to your house this afternoon. You will not get a golden dove land on your fence. You will not get any wonderful sign that says, okay, you have now achieved. You will simply get the most wonderful thing that Jesus Christ could ever give the spirit of God that comes and witnesses with your spirit and cries Abba Father and says it's real it's real I know it's real how do you know it's real because you've seen it in the papers no because the Holy Spirit's more realer than anything else around here and he shows up and he convinces and he gives that now if you're here this morning you say Pastor Goworth I don't I don't have that that realer thing that you're talking about well, Second Peter tells me why, but we're not going to get into that. But the challenge, plain and simple, quit looking on the outside. The fundamental indication of your progression and sanctification is how much you depend on the Holy Spirit as you walk through your day. Now, we depend on the Holy Spirit as we trust and we understand his word. You've got to be reading his word. You've got to be understanding his word. You can't just be wandering and say, well, I'm going to trust the spirit. I hope he'll do this. I hope it... No, you read God's word. You see it. You realize, okay, this is something. I need to live in this truth. I need to live in this truth. I'm going to live in this truth. Lord, help me to live in this truth. Your life is confronted with God's word. You realize it's a sin and you battle that sin. And you depend on the Holy Spirit to battle that sin. You confess the situation. You believe the truth and you trust God to work and you know the Holy Spirit will accomplish it because he's the one that accomplishes it. And you depend on him more and more and more and you get to the point where the Holy Spirit can whisper. And you know he's talking to you. And we call that being filled with the Spirit. But we'll talk about that at a later date. The fundamental, the fundamental indicator 
of our progression and sanctification is not any outward conformity to any guidelines. It is our individual dependence, absolute dependence on the Holy Spirit and his work. So I would ask you this morning, how dependent are you? This morning, did you spend more time on the outside or did you spend more time seeking the Lord? With your children, are you spending more time focused on the outside? Are you spending more time on showing them what living in light of the Spirit looks like as mom and dad? Are you focused on the outward? We have to look at the outward. That's the only thing we have to look at. But the dependence must be on the Holy Spirit. Let's stand with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Perhaps you're here this morning, you're not confident of your salvation. You're not confident that you know Jesus Christ, that you have accepted him. That you, by grace, through faith, have been saved. This morning, we'd like to invite you to come forward so we can take our Bible and we can show you how you can be a Christian. That's what this invitation is for. This invitation is also for those of you that maybe, like me, you have battled with focusing on that outward. Maybe there's a sin that you're battling this morning that you've been focusing on the outward and you've been trying different tricks of the trade in different ways to try to battle the flesh with the flesh instead of seeking the Holy Spirit. Simply believing and trusting in him. This invitation's for you. The response may be little more than, Lord, I'm worried about the outside. Help me to see you. Help me to rejoice in you. Help me to walk with you. Show me how to pursue your Holy Spirit. Show me how to depend on you and you alone. But this invitation is for you to respond. There are people here at the front. If you'd like someone to pray with you, they'll pray with you. If you'd like, you can just sit there at your seat and pray. You can kneel here at the front. But let me encourage you. What is it that God has laid on your heart to respond to? Respond in obedience. Follow him. I'm going to have a word of prayer. Brother Dave is going to begin to sing. If the Holy Spirit speaking to you, be obedient to his word. Lord, I ask that you'd bless us with the strength to be obedient to what it is that you're calling us to do in this moment. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would control, that you would honor yourself, the Son, and the Father through our response this morning. In Christ's name, as Brother David sings, you come. Jesus, I surrender all to him I freely give. I will ever love and trust him in his presence daily live. I surrender all.